Thank you, team. Uh, this past week, if you see Caleb, make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Uh, it was his birthday this past week, and I wanted to say something last week, and I forgot, so make sure you wish Caleb a happy birthday. Um, morning again, and uh, welcome. So we've, we filled in a little bit. That's good. I think we started, when we started worship, there were like 12 of us in here, and uh, I think we've, we broke past that, so that's good. Um, hey, throughout this series uh, that we're in, we've been in over the last few weeks called uh, Fathered by God. Um, as we've been through this series, I've talked to you about so many different statistics, right? So many different facts uh, about children and young adults who are born into homes without fathers. And if you take all those stats together, it's about 40 to 50% nationwide of, of children uh, that are in homes without fathers. And I've also, throughout this series, talked about the impact that this is having in our society. As a matter of fact, I, I've told you that I believe that this could be one of the most significant uh, social problems that we're currently facing, not just in our country, uh, but all over the world. And I believe it's one of the biggest reasons why so many people today, especially younger adults and students, are, are just walking away from the church and walking away from God in, in record numbers. Because the idea of, of God being a father uh, is not even on their radar, right? Because either they had no connection with their earthly father or they had a bad connection with an earthly father. And there's some of you who are here today who are struggling with this idea of God being a loving, gracious, kind, good father, because your image of a father is clouded and maybe even skewed by a father that has hurt you or a father that has abandoned you or maybe a father that was abusive to you or a father that was just distant from you, maybe not even connected or didn't even want to be involved in your life or maybe even a father that you never knew. And so as I've said, the idea of, of, calling God, of God calling himself a father throughout scripture is difficult for you and for some of you it's even painful. Well, knowing that it was going to be such a huge challenge to so many people to see God as a father that truly loved them, to see God as a father that wanted to be intimately connected with them and also wanted to have a personal relationship with them. God the Father actually did something that was totally unexpected, kind of caught the world off guard. He actually sent his son, Jesus, into the orphan world to reveal to us what God was really like as a father. Right? Jesus came into this world to, to do for us what so many of our dads and so many of our grandfathers and others just couldn't do. He actually came to reveal to us what God the Father was really like, right? and, and what he was really like as a father. Now, in, in John chapter 14, uh, Jesus is sitting around the table with his disciples, and they're having their last meal together. And uh, he, he just washed their feet. Now he begins to teach them for the last time. And later on, as you know, he's going to be arrested in the, in the garden. And he tells them, he says this. He says, guys, I want you to know that I'm leaving you. And they're like, well, well wait a minute. Where, Jesus, where are you going? And he says, I'm actually going to my father. And he says, the only way that, that anyone can actually come to me and to be where I'm going is you have to go through me. And Jesus tells him, he says, I'm the way. He says, I'm the truth and, and the life. And no one comes to the father except through me. And then as we continue through that, he promises them a Holy Spirit. And they're like, well, well you know, what in the world is the Holy Spirit? And he begins to unpack that for them. And, 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 and he teaches them, John chapter 15, we move into that, the importance of staying connected to him, right? Being connected to the Holy Spirit, the importance of remaining, the importance of abiding. And then moving on to John chapter 16, Jesus warns them. And he says, guys, look, I want to tell you something. The world is going to hate you. You're going to go through some really tough times. They're, they're, they're going to despise you. And then Jesus says at the very end of chapter 16, he says, but, but even though all of that's going to happen, he says, take heart. In other words, be confident, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. 
Then in John chapter 17, Jesus begins to pray to his father. And in this prayer, he reveals something to his disciples and he reveals something to us about his relationship to his father and his purpose for for coming to earth that that, that was literally going to change everything. And so what exactly did Jesus say? Well, if you look at verse 25 of John chapter 17, if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up or it'll be on the screen for you. Here's what he prays. He says this, righteous father, although the world has not known you, he says, I know you and they have known and they know that you sent me and I have made your name known to them and I will continue to make it known so that the love you have for me may be in them and I in them. In other words, Jesus' purpose for coming to earth was to reveal the Father to us. Well, how would he do that? Listen to how Jesus describes it in John 14, 9. He says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. In other words, God was going to send his son Jesus into the world to show the world a full picture of what God was really like. I mean, they heard about a God that he created the world in six days and then rested on the seventh. Right, they knew about this God that had the ability to, to part the Red Sea right down the middle to allow the Israelites to walk across it, to rescue them from slavery, to take care of them for 40 years as they wandered around in the wilderness. They knew about all of his judgment and the fact that, that he could rain down judgment and destroy cities like Sodom and Gomorrah if he wanted to. But when Jesus came on the scene... God revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. As a matter of fact, when, when God sent Jesus into the world, he revealed his heart in a way that, that the people of that time had never seen before. Not only had Jesus come to make provision to restore a broken relationship that existed between God and all of mankind, but he came to reveal the heart of the Father. Well, how did, he, how did he do that? I mean, what did Jesus actually, I mean, you know, what, what, what did he do that revealed that? Well, here's what I want to do over the next several minutes is I just want to take a moment and I want to tell you three different stories. I mean, there's many, many stories of, of Jesus in Scripture, but I just want to focus on three. And the first one involves a blind guy. This blind guy, his, his name is Bartimaeus. When you read about him in the Bible, he's always called Blind Bartimaeus. Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling through the city of Jericho. They're on their way to Jerusalem where Jesus is going to be arrested and he's going to be crucified. And there's this large crowd of people following Jesus. And all of a sudden, the blind beggar by the name of Bartimaeus finds out that Jesus is nearby. And he begins to shout out to him. And he says, Jesus, son of David. He's shouting. He says, have mercy on me. And he's calling out to Jesus to heal him. And listen, this is important too, to notice that he's also acknowledging that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. But there's several people following behind Jesus and they're giving this guy Bartimaeus, they're giving him the business, right? They're yelling at Bartimaeus. They're yelling, yelling him down and they're shouting at him. They're like, be quiet, Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus begins to yell even louder, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And at that very moment, Jesus stops and he says, Bartimaeus, just come on over here. And he calls for Bartimaeus, and and Bartimaeus walks over, and Jesus looks at him, and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus, he says, rabbi, which means teacher. He says, I want to see. And I just want to tell you that there's there's a lot of tension in this story right here. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Then Jesus looks at Bartimaeus, and he says, Bartimaeus, go on your way, for your faith has healed you. And in an instant, Bartimaeus is no longer blind. For the first time in his life, He can actually see. 
And he's not just healed physically, but he's also healed spiritually because he confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, that he's the Messiah. Now, why were Jesus' followers and all these other people trying to get Bartimaeus to leave Jesus alone? Why was there so much tension in the air over Jesus' ministry right here? Well, for centuries, we need to understand this, that the Jewish people believed that if you were blind or if you had some sort of major ailment, that somehow you were cursed. That somehow God was throwing his wrath down on an individual or even a family because of some kind of sin. See, this was the image that these people had of God the Father, and that's why they looked at this poor blind beggar named Bartimaeus, and that's why they looked down upon him, and that's why they wanted him to leave Jesus alone and Bartimaeus not to talk to Jesus. See, Jewish rabbis back in this time, they did not engage in the lives of the people who were poor, and certainly not those who were outcasts. Why? I mean, why would they? Because, see, in their minds, these people were, were cursed by God. And yet in one moment, Jesus reveals a new truth to them about God the Father. Right? Jesus reveals that the Father cares deeply about the poor. The Father cares deeply about the marginalized. I mean, through Jesus' ministry, we see him healing people who are poor. We see him engaging the powerless. And when he does that, there's no judgment. There's no, you know, Jesus is not looking down his nose at them. He's not rolling up the windows and locking the doors, hoping that they'll go away. Instead, he totally engages with compassion and mercy and with grace. Now, another moment, Jesus is having this interaction with what the Bible calls the adulterous woman in John chapter eight. Another moment when he reveals the heart of the Father. Jesus is hanging out in Jerusalem by the temple and this crowd gathers around Jesus and he begins to teach them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Pharisees drag a woman in front of Jesus and in front of the the crowd of people. And this woman was a woman who had been caught in adultery. These guys, they say to Jesus, they they say, teacher, you know, the law of Moses says that if a woman is caught in the act of adultery, then she should be stoned. What do you say, Jesus, about that? I want you to understand something, that what these guys were saying was actually true. Because in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10, the law said that if a man was caught having sex with another man's wife, then both the man and the woman were to be put to death. And so the Pharisees, they think, you know, man, we, you know, we've got Jesus in a pickle right now, right? We're going to trap him because if we can trap him, then we can arrest him. But what does Jesus do? He kneels down and he begins writing in the dirt with his finger. What is he writing? We have absolutely no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. But the Pharisees are getting impatient. right? They're demanding an answer from Jesus. And here he is down in the dirt writing. And then Jesus stands up and he says, all right, guys, here's what we're going to do. Let the first one who has never sinned throw the first rock. And one by one, the rocks start falling out of the hands of the accusers. And the Bible says they start walking away. I mean, they're just stunned. I mean, the Pharisees are just silenced. Imagine the tension for a minute in that, in that moment. People just slowly walking away. Go, man, we, we've got nothing. Now it's just Jesus and this woman Right? And she's laying in the dirt because they put her there. And the Bible says that Jesus reaches down and he stands her up and he asks her a question. He says, where are your accusers? Didn't one of them condemn you? And she says, no, Lord, not one of them. She calls him Lord. And Jesus' response in this very moment is just epic. Right? He says, then neither do I. He says, go and sin no more. 
I mean, now what in the world is going on here, right? What's, what's going on in this story? Is Jesus at this moment tolerating sin? No. We see he's actually calling it out on both sides, right? He does not condone the sin of, the, of this woman. I mean, she, she, she was completely guilty, and he acknowledges the sin of her adultery, but he also calls out the sin of hypocrisy and self-righteousness in the accusers, and he says, let the person who has never sinned throw the first rock. It was Jesus overturning the law here? No. No, he was reestablishing righteousness on the basis of grace. I mean, here's this woman, right? I mean, she, she was going to have to live with this guilt for the rest of her life. Who knows who else had been impacted by her sinful uh, decisions, right? I mean, maybe she had a husband at home or maybe she was, you know, had, had children. The consequences of her choices would, would, may have stayed with her for the rest of her life. And now here Jesus is revealing something about God the Father that the Jewish people had never seen before. That was unmerited grace. Right, unmerited grace. Listen, people begin to get nervous when you start talking about grace. (laughs) Yet Jesus reveals, you know, this about the Father. If you look at John chapter one, verse 17, here's what it says. It says, "For for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus wasn't the perfect balance of grace and truth. Listen to me now, right? He didn't come to to swing the pendulum all of a sudden in the New Testament from the law in the Old Testament to now grace in the New Testament. No, Jesus was 100% grace and 100% truth, totally. See, since Jesus came to reveal what the Father was like, then we we have a heavenly Father who never tolerates sin, but he's a Father who is willing to pardon even the most sinful person with undeserved grace. Now, what does that word pardon mean? It just simply means to take an offense, you wipe it out, wipe it away as if it never happened. And that's what Jesus does for this woman. Now, I want you to know that for some of you here today, that's exactly what God can do for you. You've walked into this place today with something that is so heavy on you. Maybe your past is so heavy on you. I want you to know that God has the ability through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, the blood that he shed to pardon you of your sins as if they've never happened. Now, does that mean that the consequences here on this side of eternity go away? No. But he has the ability to pardon you, to actually, to see you completely different through the righteous lens of Jesus Christ. Now, here's another moment, another moment where Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. It's the story of Jesus and the prostitute. Luke chapter 7, verse 36, a Pharisee invites Jesus into his house, and and Jesus goes, and they're going to have a meal together. Now, I I don't know how this next part happens, but the next thing you know in the story, there's a a prostitute who finds out that Jesus is in this man's house and comes into the house with this just beautiful alabaster jar of just expensive perfume. And she kneels down behind Jesus and she is just sobbing and her tears are just falling on Jesus' feet and so she begins to wipe them off with her hair. And then she begins to kiss the feet of Jesus and she begins to to put perfume on his feet. Now the Pharisee who, who owns the house, I mean he's just at this moment getting really upset with Jesus, right? He says, man, listen, if this man truly were a prophet, he would know the kind of woman that this was. I mean, this woman is a, is a sinner. And so Jesus addresses the Pharisee. Well, all of this is going on with his feet, and he calls him by name. Jesus says, Simon. 
He says, I have a story to tell you. And Simon says, okay, God, let, let, or Jesus, let's hear it. Jesus says, well, there's this man, and he loans two people money. One, he loans 500 pieces of silver, and the other, he loans 50 pieces of silver. Now, neither of these guys can pay this man back. And so the man who loaned the money decides to forgive them both, completely just cancels out their debt. And then Jesus asks the Pharisee a question. He says, who do you suppose loved him more? And so Simon, he says, well, Jesus, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said, that's exactly right. And he said, see this woman here. He said, I came into your house and you didn't offer to, to wash the dust off of my feet, which was customary back then. But this woman has washed them with her tears and she's wiped down my feet with her hair. He says, and, and by the way, you didn't offer me the customary olive oil anointing, which you should have done because I'm a rabbi. But she's actually anointed my feet with this rare, expensive perfume. And then Jesus continues. He said, this woman, no doubt she's a major sinner. She's a big time sinner, but I have forgiven her. And as a matter of fact, she knows how much she has been forgiven. That's why she has shown me so much love. See, the person who doesn't understand the depths of how much I have forgiven them only shows me a little bit of love. And then he looks at the woman and he says, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. At this very moment, Jesus reveals something to us amazing about the heart of God the Father. He reveals to us that the Father will not turn his back on anyone who will come to him in brokenness and repentance, right? It doesn't matter who it was. It doesn't matter what they did. Jesus demonstrated firsthand that the Father would never deny someone who would come to him with a broken, contrite spirit. So he actually proved to the world that you can be loving, that you can show mercy, that you can you know, extend grace, you can forgive anyone, you can be kind and still never tolerate sin. Look, I know that there's a, a fear in the church world. A lot of times that if we, if, you know, if we, we, we show too much grace or we talk too much about you know, love, that we're opening up the door to condone sin or that we're inviting people to trample on God's grace. And so as a result, over the years, what's happened is the church has presented this image of God that is very condemning, very harsh, and very unloving. But that's not what Jesus has revealed about God the Father. Right? He actually came to show us something very different. Something that the world desperately needed then and certainly needs today. Right? They needed to see a true reflection of who God really is. They needed to know that there is a Father in heaven who is wildly passionate about them. So much so that he sent his very own son, Jesus, to provide his life for ours, to provide pardon and forgiveness of sin, to give us an opportunity to know the Father personally and to be called one of his very own children. Listen, there's a huge void inside of every single person. Every single person that has ever lived, that void is just there you know, to be loved and to be accepted, but it's a void that can only be filled by a father. And it's not just any father, it's God the Father. And yet the world tries desperately to fill that void with everything they can but the Father. And what happens? What happens is they continue to come up empty. Look, church, we have to show them a true reflection of the Father in the way that we live, in the way that we treat others, and in the way that we love the Father. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, here's what we have to do is we have to adjust the way that we think about God the Father and we have to reveal him in a different way because, see, here's the deal is that God the Father is better than we think he is. 
God the Father is more loving than we think he is. He is extremely good. He is extremely kind. He is more gracious than we could ever imagine. And Jesus came to reveal the Father. And then he does something absolutely amazing in John chapter 20. If you want to, you can go ahead and turn there. Jesus goes to the cross. Spends three days in the grave, right? He's resurrected and appears in John chapter 20 to his disciples. Thomas at this point is not in the room. Jesus just basically walks right through the door. He looks at his disciples and he says, peace be with you. And then he says something to them that's a game changer. John chapter 20, verse 20 and 21, he says, As the Father has sent me, so also I am sending you. When he said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. In other words, look, we have been empowered. Right? The mantle has been passed. When Jesus said, you know what, guys, I'm going to the Father, and then he did, he said, okay, here's, here's what I came to do. I came to reveal the heart of the Father, to show the world who the, what, what the Father was really like. The Father has sent me. Then Jesus says, now I'm sending you. Sending you to do what? To show the heart of the Father. To reveal the heart of the Father. He says, and I'm not just leaving you empty. Jesus said, I'm actually leaving you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. See, here's the deal, is that we have been sent by Jesus to reveal the Father. Where do we do that? Let me give you a couple of of thoughts on that this morning. Is that we've been empowered to reveal the Father to our children. Now, for those of you who are parents, and I'm not just talking about dads, right? Because this was not just directed to dads. Jesus brought everyone into the equation here. Some of you in this room right now, you did not have a father, you did not have a mother in your life that revealed to you a true picture of God the Father. And so here you are, right? God, God's blessed you with these little ones in your life and you're just looking at them going, man, how in the world do I do this? Well, here's how you do it. Is you just keep looking at what Jesus did. Right? You keep imitating the Father. You keep showing your kids what the Father is really like. You, you look at the life of Jesus and you just continue to imitate him. And you also know and you realize and you embrace the fact that you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God to do it. Look, you need to understand, it's not gonna be perfect like Jesus because no one is perfect like Jesus. But we have a Father who forgives and even comes behind us to fix up our messes. Right, and aren't you glad for that? Listen, there are moments when my girls may do something or say something and I think to myself, man, I messed you guys up so badly, right? And then I watched something, something happen that doesn't even involve me. Maybe it was a, a teacher or, or someone else and they, 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 they just step in and God goes, you know what, you may have messed up, but I got you on this. And I'm so thankful that God loves me so much as a dad that he's just able to come alongside of me, come behind me, fix my messes that I've made as an imperfect dad. But I know that my responsibility as a father to our children is to show them a real picture of God. And where is that found? It's found in the life of Jesus. Second thing is that we've been empowered to reveal the Father to the fatherless. You see, we've been called to love our neighbors, right? We can love God and love others. Love your neighbor. Look, church, we're surrounded by a community of people who are not just spiritually fatherless, but, but physically fatherless. So what do we do? I mean, what do we do with that? Look, we need to ask God to break our hearts for what breaks his, the fatherless. See, God says, I'm a father to the fatherless. So what do we do, you know? I mean, maybe just for you this morning, maybe just jump in and start mentoring some kids. Or maybe it's kids at your local school, kids in our community, even kids in this church. 
For some of you, we've got folks who are in our church who have been in the fostering system. And I just want to tell you this morning, if you've been doing that and just how proud I am of you. We have couples in this church who have for years rescue children from terrible situations and bring them into their home and they provide foster care for them. Some of them actually ended up being adopted and being brought into those families. For some of you this morning, maybe you're in here today and God is calling you to adopt a fatherless or, or a motherless child. For some of you, maybe, maybe that's what God is calling you to do and you say, Man, I don't know how to do that. Look, you have been empowered by the Holy Spirit of God. For others of us, we've been empowered to reveal the Father to our community, to those who are spiritually fatherless, right? To share the love of God the Father with them. Look, we need to not just be revealing the Father just in our community, but to our nation. And and we need to be revealing him to the world right now. This is probably one of the most divisive, divided times that I can remember in this country. Yet Jesus came to reveal the Father to the world, to say, this is what the Father is really like. He doesn't tolerate sin, but he is more gracious, more loving, more kind. He is better. He is so good that you can't even get your arms around it. And then what he did was he then took that mantle and he passed it on to us. And here's what I want to ask all of us this morning. I've asked myself this question too. Is how are we doing? Right? How are we doing with this? Some of us in this room, we probably need to repent of how we've handled this. Of the reflection that we have put out there. Of who God the Father is really all about. And we need to take another look at the life of Jesus and go, you know what? That's God the Father. Because Jesus has said, I've come to reveal what he's really like. And more than anything, I think we just, we, we need to pray. Right? We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for our country. We need to pray for those outside of this building who feel marginalized. Those who feel that they can never walk in here because their sins are too great to be forgiven. Or that they've messed up so much in their lives that they could never be forgiven you to pray with me and bow your heads for just a moment. God, we just come before you now.